Hello and welcome to the Dash Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Gamage, and joining me today is Mr. Me Too, Jamal Sylvester. He's been working with JAG programs and as a youth specialist for years upon years. And as he'll tell you, once a JAG member, always a JAG member. We'll get into more of what that means. And as you know, this episode is brought to you by the Gamage Consulting Group. We are working to amplify student voice and engagement. If you're interested in help with your SEL programs and student building programs, visit TreyGamers.com shop for more information. Without further ado, my man, Mr. Me Too, how are you today? Man, I'm well, man. Thank you for having me. And I was thinking, you know, before we had you, and we, we met, I met you back when I was in high school, um, again, at the JAG office, and, and we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, but from, from that time that I met you, you've had that nickname, Mr. Me Too. Where does that come from? Uh, and, and no disrespect to the Me Too movement. Uh, and, mm. uh, that's a, you know, that's a touchy subject, and yeah. we all know, you know, what that means. But for me, I've been working in the youth space for probably about 15 years, uh, and I found myself as I worked in, in, I worked in the Department of Corrections, I worked in community, <laughs> uh, I worked in nonprofit organizations. Uh, I would share my story. I would begin to work with uh, youth and adults, and they would tell me their stories. And I always seem to find myself saying, guess what, me too. Mm. I can empathize uh, with what you've gone through or what you're going through. Uh, I can't let you off the hook because I think that's where we drop the ball at when we, we, we over-empathize with people and then we don't, we don't inspire them or we don't move them to action. And so mm. I empathize uh, uh, with people and with their stories. And so I'm like, guess what, me too. Uh, but, you know, everybody has a butt. So I try to teach people to move their butt out the way. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i like that i yeah. like that a lot <laughs> and, and i think that's a that's a good point you make there too um over empathize so you you know you you care so much or you feel what somebody's going through so much that you feel bad for them is what that sounds like for me and because you feel bad for them you're not trying to challenge your student because you oh you came from such a poor disadvantaged background poor baby you don't have the capacity to grow to try to do to lead and all that. Is that, is that, am I hearing that right? Yeah. Uh, and, and ultimately what you end up doing is you impose a fixed mindset on the, mm. on the student. Mm. Uh, when we know that the growth mindset is where it's at. And regardless of what happened previously, if we, instead of saying, I can't, I just, my, I can't do it yet. Yeah. You know, it's only three letters, but they're so powerful. And it means that I'm going to do whatever uh, I need to do, and I'm going to capitalize on the resources and the people around me so that I could get to where I know I need to be. And I think that that's what, what ultimately ends up happening when we over-empathize. Yeah. We force people into a fixed mindset, and then they stop working. They quit. Mm. 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 And that, yeah, that's absolutely right. And I feel like that's why, um, you know, again, I met you back in high school, uh, coming to visit my mother, uh, my stepmother, Andrea Gammon. Shout out to her. Yes. Um, at the JAG office, the Jobs for Jobs for American Graduates. Can you talk to me about what JAG is and, and why that work is important? Because it's involved in education. Y'all were teaching in the classroom, uh, but not necessarily considered, you know, a traditional classroom teaching. Well, it's, JAG has been in existence. Uh, it originally started in 1979 in Delaware, and it became nationally recognized in 1980. So since 1980, uh, the program has evolved. I believe the last time uh, 
I checked, I believe it was in 33 states mm. uh, across the United States. And Indiana has one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, JAG program. Uh, and what JAG is, it's a school, uh, school to work type of a program. It's an exposure program, uh, an elective class uh, where we have a JAG specialist who's in the classroom uh, throughout the school year. And the, the specialist is teaching 37 core competencies that were put together uh, by employers throughout the United States that said that not just you, but here's what people are missing as they come into our organizations or into our businesses looking for work. And so they touch everything from uh, leadership uh, to, uh, you know, uh, how, to, how to talk and how to articulate yourself, uh, character building. Uh, it's a phenomenal, phenomenal program. Uh, a lot of students uh, miss out on it because a lot of students don't know what it is and they haven't investigated. Uh, but once students get in, and even those students who say, man, I don't want to be in there after about three weeks of JAG, they, they, they hooked on the JAG juice, man. And it's, uh, I've been hooked. I started in 2013. I haven't worked for JAG since 2016, but I'm still affiliated. Once JAG, always JAG. And whenever I can lend a hand or help out or even be an advocate for JAG, I always do because JAG changes people's lives mm. and it provides kids with opportunities and expose them to things that they wouldn't necessarily get in a traditional class. They take them on college field trips. They have uh, guest speakers that come into the classrooms around different career fields. Uh, they, they, they do career assessments. Uh, you know, all of these things that typically underserved and misunderstood kids don't always have an opportunity to do. And so JAG allows you to do that. Uh, it's a two-year program, so typically we want you to get in the program as a junior. Uh, but we have had seniors who found out about the program late, get into the program, and then it's a year of follow-up after you graduate from high school. And the goal is ultimately to have a 90% graduation rate. Uh, and when you know uh, some schools who have low graduation rates, when you can take a program who, with 35 to 45 students who some are high achieving academically and some are low achieving academically, but they have all of these different barriers, and you have a program that can kind of turn that around and cut that light on for students. Right. What more can you ask for in an educational setting? Right, right, right. That's that's about as real as it gets. Mm -hmm. um, that's about as, as real as it gets. And you mentioned earlier before we were on the air, you talked about how, um, you know, you mentioned the school to career or work pipeline, but you also mentioned trying to remove barriers for young people. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely, man. We, we have, of course, because it's, it's, it's funded, uh, it's state and government funded. And so they have criteria that you need to meet in order for you to be in the class. And so mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a multitude of these, but some of them is uh, low, low income, uh, free and reduced lunch, uh, having a child, uh, parents being incarcerated. Uh, uh, you know, the list goes on and on, man. And, and so, uh, while a, a child might be high-functioning academically, uh, they could be low-functioning socially. And so mm -hmm. JAG, because of the nature of the program, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's student-led. Uh, the specialist is just there to assist. And so the students pretty much run the class. Mm -hmm. uh, and they have, uh, it's called a career association, and they have different offices. They have a president, a vice president. They have a secretary. Uh, it's just great to watch these kids who 
when they first come in, they're, they're scared. They're kind of fearful uh, because of the unknown. Uh, but when they get in and they find out that, man, you know what? This is kind of cool. And mm-hmm. I, I can be the president and I can have some say-so about what goes on. And my educational experience, man, it's beautiful to see, man. Like to see a kid in, 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 uh, at the end of August and just by December, just to see the shift in their mindset and how they're taking school serious and how they uh, they become a band of brothers and sisters and how they push each other and they challenge each other, man, it, it, it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's, um, it is a special thing. And I've had a, a chance to go visit a couple of JAG classrooms and, and have some conversations with the students that are in there. And, you know, I think um, today what I'm realizing in education, that there's been a much bigger push towards um, rather than JAG, I guess the career and technology education is kind of the second coming to that. You know, we're now um, there's facilities and I haven't seen it as much in Indiana, but in South Carolina, there's, you know, technical colleges and there's um, career institutes where students can go and learn those welding skills. They can learn some engineering, business, uh, financial stuff. They can learn those skills as a part of their day, which is really similar to JAG. But I think about um, 75% of students who go to high school or graduate high school don't go to college. Um, so those skills that they're learning in a program like JAG or career and tech education is what makes that difference. And that's how we fill jobs. And that's where most of the jobs that need to be filled are at. Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, for a long time, our country has pushed college, 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 college. And while college is, is a great thing, don't get me wrong, uh, post-secondary education is a phenomenal thing. And if mm-hmm. you're up to the task, because it is a task, and that's financially, that's academically, that's socially, if you're up for the task, then by all means, take full advantage of it uh, and, and go experience that. But I think we've pushed a lot of our students who, I don't want to say they weren't college material, but college just wasn't for them. Right. Uh, they didn't learn uh, that way, and, 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 and they, didn't, they weren't able to grab onto it I think the career and technical side uh, and allowing them to go uh, that route and get specialty certifications in fields that uh, are are promising as far as uh, longevity and career and pay. And I think that uh, we're starting to revamp that and we're beginning to think differently and speak differently uh, because like I said, college is important, but uh, it's sad when you know that one out of four freshmen uh, go back home. Uh, and it's not, you know what I mean? It's for various reasons. It's homesick, it's financial, but a lot of it is, man, they got there and they, they weren't ready academically. They couldn't uh, handle the educational rigor. And so uh, putting somebody in that setting, man, it, it, it's bad, man. It, and it leaves a bad taste in a young person's mouth. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be mindful of that and make sure that we're sending our kids uh, uh, to the right uh, post-secondary ed uh, avenues that are available. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you think do you think enough people, you know, in your um, conversations, I know you've been out of JAG for a couple of years now. Do you feel like enough people know about JAG? Do principals, do schools know about JAG? And if they don't or, or, or are interested, I haven't heard of JAG since I've been in South Carolina. So that's something I want to look up and see if we have some programs here. How, how do you get that word out about JAG or career? Well, time? I would definitely say go to the national website, the JAG website, and then you can see the states that mm-hmm. the JAG programs are in. Mm-hmm. And typically, in order to have a JAG program at your school, uh, uh, one of the criteria is that your school has to be uh, 
I think it's a below a 90% graduation rate okay. because what, what, what gives JAG its power is that uh, we strive to have a 90% graduation rate. And so if we can take those students who are lower functioning academically and we can right. kind of turn that around, we know how that affects the overall graduation rate. Uh, and so it gets to show the importance of how, even if it's just 45 students, that if we can get a 90% graduation rate with those 45 students, how much it'll affect yeah. the overall uh, school's graduation rate. And so that's one of the criteria. There's some other criteria that go with it. And I'm not familiar with that because I was never a part of that process. Uh, I was more of the hands-on and uh, creating experiences uh, and opportunities for the young people. But mm -hmm. once again, it's a phenomenal program. And if you have it in your state or in your city, uh, and your, your child attends a school that has the program, I strongly suggest in their sophomore year that you tell them to talk to their guidance counselor about getting enrolled uh, because it's going to change their life. And you're going to see the change in, in your young person by December. Uh, and that's just three months. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you, you have such a passion uh, for young people. Again, when I met you, you, know, you, you just have so much energy and so much drive for young people, you know, and I feel like that's something that um, I'm still young myself, I'm 26, but I, I just care so much for uh, students who are in school because like you said, I, I can empathize with where you come from. I understand that everybody, nobody gets to choose what they're born into. Um, in the situations that you're brought up in, you don't get to choose, but we all gotta go to school. And, and, and if you're gonna be at school, I wanna help make that difference for you. Where did your passion for um, helping youth come from? My go-through, uh, and my go-through has, has been rather unique. Uh, starting off, I was a very good student. Uh, but as you said, we can't control what environments that we're in. And so to have a, to be in a single-parent home and have mom going to work, and so you come home with an with a all-A report card and nobody's there to champion mm. Mm. Uh, that A. And so wow. I'm like, okay, uh, it doesn't matter if I get A's. And so I got all F's one time and I came home and it was the same response. No one was there. Wow. How many of our young people who mm. are coming home uh, with their with their A's on their math assignment or that, that spelling test that, you know, they work so hard on and there's nobody there to champion them. And so that's where school, uh, that, that feeling of school is not important begins to kind of creep into their psyche, uh, and then you figure the more that goes on, uh, the deeper that, that gets into the psyche, and, yeah. and then by the time you get to high school, it's like, man, you know what? <laughs> I really don't care, you know, nothing about being here, and it's easier to, to not get up in the morning and not show up, and so for me, it's, it was my go-through, and then being a, a three-time collegiate dropout, man, I had a full mm -hmm. ride to Ball State University, man, all four years paid for uh, I quit school in 1994. Uh, life happened, made some bad decisions. Uh, Re-enrolled in school because, you, you know, you, I got into the workforce. I have a family, excuse me, a family now. I have to provide. And I'm in these jobs that I know that man, I could be a supervisor or I could be a program director, but because I don't have my degree, I can't get that job. So I re-enrolled in 2005. Life happened some more. Mm. Uh, I ended up dropping out again, and these were, now I'm paying for it. From 90 to 94, I had a scholarship. Nothing came out of my pocket. Now this is my money. 
Mm. I dropped out again. Life happened some more. Uh, get into my job, but I'm beginning to get really good at my job, and so I was able to move up because of my my passion, uh, my know-how, and my 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 ability to understand people. Uh, re-enrolled in 2011, life happened again. I mm. drop out again, and so from 2011 until December 2017, man, I was just going through life and you know doing my job and working for Jag and. And uh, I was getting certified and gathering certifications, which is a form of post-secondary education it was, because it was something that I didn't know formally. Right. And so uh, that's something that I think we dismissed too, yeah. is those certifications and those those quick trainings that we get because for those trainings allowed me to get some of the jobs uh, and created opportunities for me. And so we don't ever want to minimize uh, those, those short-term educational opportunities because they're providing some great uh, career opportunities for people all over the United States. And so, man, I went back to school in December, man, got re-enrolled, went back to Ball State. Mm. Uh, two semesters, uh, I had a scholarship from the NCAA, man, ended up getting a 4.0 both semesters. Wow. Got my degree after 24 years, man. And so that's why education is important to me because uh, I had to go through some things uh, employment-wise that uh, I would apply for positions or let my organization know that I wanted to apply for a position, and they would tell me that, well, we would love to have you. We know that you have the passion. We know that you have the knowledge, but the, the job requires a degree, and they would bring mm -hmm. someone in who was fresh out of college and would give them that job, and I would have to train them. Wow. And that wow. would hurt me so much, and I'm like, you know what? I don't care what I got to do. I'm going back to school and I'm getting my degree, man. And so that's where it comes from. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a that's a whole lot of resilience, and I have to uh, applaud you for that. And in particular, that perspective of bringing home all A's and not being a champion for that. And I feel like that 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 angle, that perspective in itself, is one that you do not hear very much. Because even when it is having a student that um you know maybe in fifth grade, sixth grade, middle school who seems to not care anymore. You don't think about what that child used to be. You yeah. don't. You don't think about oh, this kid's coming, getting all A's right now. What's he got going on at home? That's real, you know. And I, I've, I've heard about it or had conversations about it with behavior. It's the same thing in the classroom. If you, if your teacher isn't managing the classroom right, those good kids who are doing the right things. If you're not holding the students accountable, the rest of the students accountable in class, the students that are doing well are going to stop doing what they're supposed to do. And absolutely, it, that that's wild to even think. And that perspective is amazing. So your level of resilience to go through um, that experience, you know, dropping out of college and getting that scholarship three or four times, that's that's the real deal. I, matter of fact, I remember when I went to college uh, myself on a scholarship at Miami, Ohio, one of the first things our strength and conditioning coach told us, is he said, look around the room. Everybody here is not going to graduate with you. Some folks are going to drop out. Some folks are going to uh, transfer. Some some people just are not gonna make it, and I think we I think we started with the class of maybe 24 and finished with 17 or 18 folks. We had six that left. Um, so that that's a real story for a, a big percentage of people. Um, and, and again, when I, when I met you, I I I remember because we had we had a conversation just just man to man, and you mentioned earlier. You know, we have an age gap, sure, but I feel like we had the same mindset and drive to go make something happen. You said, yes, sir. So you said, get your butt out of the way or something. Everybody has their yeah. butt. You need to get yours out of the way. Yeah. And that 
What, where, where did some of that motivation come from? Your parents weren't your champion for you. I know that um, you know you said that the the workplace and your boss telling you you couldn't get the job or having to um, having to train the people that were going to be in that supervisor position. Was there anybody in your life that you were able to lean on or mentors, role models that you've been able to lean on to keep you steady and consistent? Well, while 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 my my mother wasn't there to champion the grades, it doesn't mean that she uh, wasn't serious about education. Mm-hmm. She had to go out and go make some bread so that we could have a place to stay. Yeah. Then when I opened up that refrigerator, uh, the only thing that was in there, it wasn't just a box of bacon soda. It was some food in there. And so uh, it's no knock against her. I get it. I didn't understand it at the time, and nor did she have the time to explain to me why she yeah. wasn't there. And so she's a... You know, uh, she's serious about education. She she had me reading and writing. Uh, I was reading the, the Sunday newspaper at an early age and doing the crossword puzzles. And so my mom is serious about education. And so I, I don't want uh, that to be misinterpreted. Uh, but uh, as a child, you can't understand that or you don't know how to receive that. And so mm-hmm. you that signal is nobody cares. And so you take that back to school and you know what I mean? And then it's like, okay, and then you find – two or three other guys who are going through the same thing. And now you got a crew. And so now we can have pity parties every day. And man, we can sit in the back of the class and chop it up and laugh. And, and then you got those educators who have kind of lost their, their that fire for teaching and who will say, you know what, I'm only going to teach the kids who want it. And y'all can stay back there and I'll give you a worksheet or, you know what I mean? And so our kids end up suffering. And uh, that's not why most of us get into teaching. We get into teaching because we want to help. All of them. Not saying that we're going to be able to to get everybody, but our intent is to help Mm -hmm. everybody and exhaust every resource and everything that we have in our being uh, to help each student. And so that's where a lot of that that comes from. And so my mom was was a motivator. Uh, My dad, even in his absence, was a motivator. Uh, And early on, it was out of anger. And so I used that fuel uh, to, you know what? I'm going to show him or I'm going to show, you know, people who say that uh, uh, African-American males who grow up without their fathers are susceptible to all of these bad things, incarceration, dropping out. I'm like, man, I'm going to prove everybody wrong. Uh, and then as I got older and me and my father began to build our relationship as he was released from incarceration, uh, my dad is phenomenal. He was in the who's who at Kennedy King, 4.0 GPA. And so my dad is a student. And so I come from, you know, academia. My parents are very bright. And so, but I didn't know that because I didn't have an opportunity to engage and talk with them about that because he was gone. You know, he was in, he was, he was at big boy school and she was at work. And so a lot of our kids don't really know how smart their parents are Mm. or why their parents didn't, you know, go past the 10th grade or didn't go past high school yeah. Uh, because we make decisions uh, and things happen and then we have to take care of our families. And so, and that's a choice uh, and that's a right. grown man, a grown woman choice. And so sometimes it's not that school is not important, but me going to college right now is not going to take care of my three kids. Mm. You know? mm. 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 It's, it's too real. Yeah. It's too real. You know, I, I think there's, it's really easy to lose touch with what's actually happening. You know, and um, again, I had a conversation with a, a brother named Chris Reese on the podcast as well, and he talked about how you know when you're when you're teaching a culture of students that uh, you're not familiar with, 
you've got to immerse yourself into that culture to make sure that you can connect with your students and really empathize with them. If you, if you were born and raised in that same culture like you were, you know, with some of the students who are facing some of those barriers, and I don't even want to say students of color because it's a lot of students that go through it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there, there's a, a definitely an underrepresentation of teachers of color in the classroom. So um, to have that opportunity to have somebody that looks like them come into class and be able to connect with their situation makes a world of difference. What kind of work are you looking to do right now? Like what kind of passion and purpose or mission do you have right now that you're still looking to accomplish? Uh, for right now, uh, I, I currently work with, with, with kids, which is in the educational setting. Uh, I work with young people, 16 to 24-year-olds, who, uh, for various reasons, have dropped out of school. Uh, and we, we try to, our program uh, and our funding is, is based around getting them re-engaged. And so we've created some re-engagement centers here in Indianapolis to give them a safe space because a lot of it is uh, we talk about trauma trauma-informed schools, trauma-informed teachers, trauma-informed communities, uh, because a lot of our students are suffering from trauma that hasn't been diagnosed. Yeah. Uh, and so you have a traumatic event the night before and you come to school, you bring that traumatic experience to school with you. And if, as an educator, I don't know how to deal with that or I don't know how uh, to respond to that, uh, that could be toxic and that could be very detrimental to that young person. And so... I think that, uh, you know, creating safe spaces, and I think that a lot of our students' parents who don't engage uh, in, in, in the school systems is because they had traumatic experience and their educational experience. And so when they come up to the school, they're not coming up to the school to address the situation. They're coming up to the school because now I'm grown, and I couldn't tell you this when I was in third grade, but I'm coming up here to give me some get back. And so mm -hmm. nothing ever happens. Uh, and so I think that, you know, we have to create safe spaces and we have to think about all of those things. And, and when you have parents who uh, it seems like they don't care, I don't know no parent uh, that has a child that doesn't care about their child's well-being. Right. Just because I don't show up doesn't mean that I don't care. Mm. You need to find out my story. You need to find out why well, I'm working two jobs. Uh, and so uh, it's not that I don't care. I got to be at work. I got stuff that I got to take care of. I'm trying to keep my kids engaged in programs, after school programs, sports programs. And so it costs money. And so I have to work two jobs. And so that doesn't mean that I don't care. I'm prioritizing what's important to me and my family. And so you can't put your lived experience of what you know or what you think is right uh, and, and make your priorities become my priorities because mm -hmm. we come from two different worlds. And I think that's what happens a lot. Uh, and I think that we miss an opportunity to kind of build relationship with those parents. Sometimes maybe it's best to go to the home. And yeah. I know that that's not always comfortable, but if you really care about that student and you really care about the well-being of the whole, then you need to go where that parent is comfortable enough and build relationship until you can get them yeah. where they feel okay with you to say, you know what, I'll come to the class or I'll come to the school now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, abs absolutely. You got to meet folks where they're at. Yeah. You know, and even when you talk about communications, a lot of times disagreements are not um, nobody's right or wrong. Y'all are just just on different pages. You know what yeah. I'm saying? If, if you can meet me where I'm at, I, I'd be happy to oblige with, with what you're trying to tell me and how I need to work um, to be better, man. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate the work you do so much. And this is 
you know, we have um, all these curriculums and pedagogy, and, and I know, you know, you're still using those curriculums and pedagogy, but sometimes it just comes down to authenticity, um, experience, and, and being a part of that culture that you're talking about. So that makes a big difference. And, and we're wrapping up here, man, but uh, Jamal, where can we find you, and what are some final words that you want to leave with anybody listening right now? As far as social media, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, Jamal Sylvester, J-E-E-R-M-A-L-S-Y-L-V-E-S-T-E-R. And I'm also on Instagram at Mr. Uh, underscore me underscore two T-O-O underscore Indy. Uh, reach out, uh, man, tap in. Uh, I try to post some uh, powerful uh, and impacting uh, every day uh, as I'm continuing to go through my journey. And uh, man, my, my words uh, as we close out would be uh, start where you stand. Mm. Uh, a lot of times we, we, we try to create uh, like with New Year's resolutions. On January 1st, I'm going to do such and such and such and such. And then when January 1st gets here, life also is happening and life don't care nothing about what you said about January 1st. And so you never get a chance to get started. And so I strongly suggest people that even if you set a date, start a week or two ahead of time and get a running start. I've always learned that if you get a running start, you'll always go first. Hey, hey, I like that. I like that. Uh, plenty of words of inspiration. He's not playing any games when he says he posts something every day. Um, I'm a big fan, a big advocate. I'm, I'm happy to have you as a mentor in my life. And, and every time we chop it up, um, it's a great opportunity. I learn something new and I'm inspired to keep on moving forward. Um, so thank you for taking the time out to join us today. Thank you for listening to the Dash Podcast. Uh, this episode is sponsored by the Gamers Consulting Group. And if you like it, share it with your friends, share it with your teachers, your principals, anybody that needs to hear this. Um, getting students re-engaged students for the workforce and understanding the traumatic experience that students have been through um, to be able to have a successful life at the end. So you can find us on Spotify, find us on iTunes podcast, and visit TradeGamers.com for more information. We'll see you next time. This is The Dad.